Have you ever considered how housing conditions contribute to a person's overall health and well-being? Did you know that housing in a neighborhood affects the overall health of the people in the neighborhood? My name is Allie Parrish, and today on episode four of Bringing Down the House, Jacqueline and I are excited to welcome Dr. Deesa Cornish, Associate Professor of Public Health at the University of Northern Iowa to share more on this very important topic. Thank you for tuning in, and we invite you to join us in our local mission by making a financial contribution or volunteering your time. Opportunities can be found on our website at webuildhabitat.org or follow us on social media and check out what's happening with Iowa Heartland Habitat there. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Bringing Down the House. I'm Jacqueline Madison, joined alongside my wonderful co-host, Allie Parrish. Hey, everyone. How are we doing, Allie? We're good. How are you doing today, Jacqueline? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Good. Now I'm excited. We're still going. <laughs> Haven't been taken off the air yet. So all positive things. I mean, you know, <laughs> 2020 may not be so hot right now, but Allie, I think we're smoking a little bit. Here. Oh, yeah. We're oh, smoking yeah. a little bit here. We're getting, we're getting some traction. <laughs> we're smoking like a turkey. We're... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, what I'm just... sorry. Thanksgiving is here. It's, you know. She did not just. <laughs> I... I, ladies and gentlemen, you can't write this stuff. You really can't. Because if we had put that on paper, I would have said no. Uh, but you know what? I just said it. You so. did. You did. Wow. She did not just. Smoking like a turkey. All right. Uh, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's just a better time than ever uh, to jump right into our mission moment. My mission moment today. Um, so I was just really inspired by uh, someone that I got to interact with lately and just thought I wanted to tell a story about it. But um, just a shout out to a good uh, friend of mine, Marissa is her name, and um, she just really inspired me the other day. We were talking about some different things and, um, you know, her house and, and she lives in the Walnut neighborhood and she's just an amazing person. And um, and I heard the grapevine that she had put on a, a socially distanced, masked, safe um, Thanksgiving meal for the neighborhood um, in her home recently and uh, that folks were able to just grab a grab a, a to-go plate and come on through and um and just um I just was so inspired by that I hadn't ever I felt like embarrassed that I never considered you know doing something like that for my neighborhood before and mm-hmm. then she I was talking to her about it and she's like oh and I do a Halloween party and I you know and all this and and just how how uh, she said that she just responds out of out of gratefulness that she's just grateful for everything that she has and um, she just wants to share it with others and so she inspired me she lifted my spirits and um, just really really encouraged me to uh, be better I guess be a better neighbor all the time and and how how those little things might seem like a little thing but um, I just can't even imagine how amazing that must have felt uh, for the community around her so kudos to Marissa kudos to Marissa uh, I don't know if I'm gonna thank her for you uh, with that joke that you just did. <laughs> 
but hey, they go hand in hand. I felt inspired. You know what, Allie? I, I, I'm, I'm going to let you have this one. I'm just going to let you have this one. It's easier, Jaquel. It's so much easier just to let you have that win. Uh, but yeah, I, I am excited because you know we have uh, we have a lot to get to today. Yeah. On this episode uh, of Bringing Down the House, and, I, and I'm pretty excited for us to get started. So uh, let's jump right in, shall we? being joined here in studio by the wonderful, the talented Dr. Disa Cornish. And she is an associate professor uh, with the University of Northern Iowa in public health and education. How are we doing, Dr. Cornish? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Thank yes. you. Now, I just want to uh, go through the woman's track record here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a little intimidated. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> she, she, she's not messing around here. No. So, uh, these, you have a BA in journalism in Spanish. Hola. Hola. Uh, from the University <laughs> of Iowa. You uh, have a master's in community and behavioral health from the University of Iowa. And then your PhD, uh, health education and health promotion from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Wow. True. Where do you put all I... that information? <laughs> Well, I, I don't really usually say it all at once, <laughs> so it's not that. And that would be a mouthful. That would be. That would that be. Would be. Yeah. I mean, I would. If I had all those degrees, He man. would inst- introduce himself that way every single time. My so business card am, would be a you know. mile long, just throwing that out there. Uh, Disa, we're so happy to have you because you are going to be having a discussion with us here on a topic that is kind of interesting, mm-hmm. something that we, I don't think, really put a correlation of two and two together, and that is housing and how that impacts health. Mm-hmm. And that that's just that's such an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that we're going to go so many different ways in this discussion because it's such a broad topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, we can uh, try and at least unravel some of the layers of this onion. But uh, Allie, you know, let's go ahead and get started here uh, with this this discussion here with uh, Disa. Yeah, and I, you know, I really first got interested in this topic um, earlier on in my career with Habitat, and had been to a conference and had gone to a session, and it really. And, and the, the topic of the session was this idea of how um, health is tied to housing. And it was the first time, you know, and I felt kind of ignorant afterwards that I hadn't really considered that before, but it was the first time that I really made that connection. And I was blown away by um, by the by the things that they discussed and how, how the housing environment really does uh, contribute to an individual's overall health. So that's kind of, you know, one of the things um, that I'd love to have our, our listeners learn a little bit more about is just how, how do, you know, how does a person's, you know, housing conditions and their physical environment really contribute to their health overall? What are some of the factors there? Sure. So when I think a lot of times we think about the word environment yes, and we think about recycling or not leaving the water on too long, um, but our, the environments where we spend time really do matter. And so we can think about that in terms of our physical environment, um, also our social environment, economic environment, mm-hmm. um, political environment, cultural environment, people we spend time with and all of that. Um, but our physical environment specifically, we can think about that in terms of whether or not we have air pollution or things are sort of clean around us. We can think about it in terms of the built environment like what our sidewalks are like, street connectivity, um, and we can think about it in terms of what our housing quality looks like. Hmm. Um, you know, 
the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation recently had a report that they came out with, and one of the things that they said that really struck me was that we spend about 90% of our time inside, and about three-fourths of that time is spent in our homes, right? So we spend so much time at home inside, Mm -hmm. but we take for granted the fact that or, or, or we don't even think about the fact that that matters, right? right. That the quality of that matters. Um, we have things, I mean, one thing that everybody talks about is like the idea of lead-based paint, mm. right? We know that lead-based paint can influence health. Um, so actually like the quality of the housing conditions that way, mm-hmm. and, you know, exposure to lead-based paint can influence um, central nervous system development, uh, brain development, and things like that. Um Things like water leaks, dirty carpet, um, lack of air ventilation, that can actually um, also, uh, that's all associated with mold and Mm -hmm. pests and can lead to um, serious problems with allergies and respiratory issues. If we have really cold conditions because of lack of heat or really hot conditions because of lack of air conditioning, that can cause problems for people and increase mortality, especially among the most vulnerable. and if housing is overcrowded, we can see disease spread, especially now we've seen examples of that with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also see that mental health can be negatively impacted that way um, because of the stress of just being overcrowded. So where we spend our time, it matters. Yeah. And I don't think that we really give that a lot of consideration during Absolutely. our days. Absolutely. No, I, I, I think you're right. And when you say lead best lead lead da, 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 <laughs> the English language is so hard. And I'm sitting here across from a woman that has one and she English and Spanish and who knows what else. Swedish. Swedish. Okay, yeah, just rub it in, Disa. That's that's fine. Yeah, just rub it in. Uh, Maybe you can make up your own language. Uh, I have, Allie. For those that have listened to this podcast, they know that I have. Uh, but when you talk about lead based paint, water leaks, dry, dirty carpet, what is the level of severity? I mean, lead-based lead, lead based paint. That is a tongue twister. I don't care who you are. It's that really, is a tongue twister. really not that hard. It's lead-based paint. All but, right. Okay. No. <laughs> I don't, I'm not getting involved. Yeah, I you don't stay have out to of be that. here. I can, <laughs> I'm missing a nap right now. Uh, but, you know, the, the paint, that mm-hmm. is, you know, that that's obvious. So when we talk about water leaks and dirty carpet, I mean, What's the severity of when it actually starts to impact someone's health? I mean, is it just, oh, I haven't vacuumed my carpet? Or, you know, what is gets trapped in my carpet that is something that I should be worried about? Um, so when we start accumulating mold or um, just like excessive uh, pet byproducts, mm-hmm. um, excessive dirt, I mean, just years and years of uncleaned carpet and Mm -hmm. I mean there's a certain point where you can't vacuum it away right a carpet is moldy a carpet needs to be removed and replaced and taken care of and the pad underneath the carpet needs to be taken care of um you know there's a point where um you know mice or other rodents can be involved and that all just needs to be cleared out and cleaned um and it also becomes a breeding ground for pests like insects um and like I said like rodents um and it's also sort of relative, right? I mean, for anyone, the space around them will impact their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true for children and it's true for adults. Um, the space around us impacts our ability to focus, our ability to work. Um, if we think now about a lot of kids are learning from home, mm-hmm. a lot of people are working from home if they can. Um, and the 
spaces in which we are trying to focus and try to have our brains do hard work and mm-hmm. do hard things, it really does impact us. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, as a homeowner, you know, I, I take care of my house. I vacuum. I do all those things. But then I, I don't think that my carpet could be leading to my mental health issues. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that's things things we put two and two together as homeowners. You know, there's other things, obviously, but how is my carpet impacting my mental health? And when you talk about uh, that there comes a point where there's a point of no return, for lack of a better uh, uh, metaphor, whatever you want to call it, how often should we be looking at possibly replacing our carpet or uh, replacing those things that just they, they can't be fixed or they can't be cleaned? I actually don't have an answer for that. I'm not sure how frequently. I mean, I know you're supposed to change your mattress every 10 years Mm -hmm. because of um, just sort of what gets trapped in the mattress and for cleanliness and things like that. I'm not sure about carpet. I know that what we want to have is clean air that we're breathing that's free from debris from rodents and pests. Um, and that's what, that's really what's key. Um, I mean, for physical health and for child development, um, we want to be breathing clean air and drinking clean water and having, um, sort of healthy surroundings as much as possible so that children can develop and grow and so that families can be less stressed. Um, I mean, when it comes to quality housing, um, housing affordability, housing stability, what we're trying to do is make things less stressful, Mm, right? mm -hmm. So that parents and kids and people in general um, can be focusing on the things that matter. Yeah. Focusing on spending time together, focusing on education, focusing on, um, you know, just getting their bills paid, taking care of medical bills as needed, all of those things. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely hear that. And I think about, you know, just even the times that, um, it, you know, in my life when something is going on with the structure that we're living in, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, you know, it does it just even it, even for the short term, it creates, you know, a stressful time, you know, again, whatever that may be. So I, I think about the folks that are perpetually living in those environments and really don't see a path out, mm-hmm. don't have many options, can't afford many options and just how how much that can be a continual weight, you know, on people's shoulders. And I know that um, one of some of the families, you know, that once they apply for our programming, um, you know, maybe we'll do a home visit with them or we get them to contribute, um, you know, um, photographs of kind of their living conditions or just tell their stories. And it always is is uh, shocking to me when we hear about the living conditions um, of some of the the folks that um, are coming to our program and and just what they're what they're dealing with. And it's uh, a lot of times, um, you know, there are very very good landlords out there, and I don't want to say that there aren't. But the flip side is also true where, you know, the folks that are living in, in rentals that come to us a lot of times um, are having a very negative experience with their with their landlord and keeping maintaining the home. And and they are dealing with issues of, of mold and then children are developing asthma symptoms. And um, we had one family that was, you know, um, having to keep a lot of their stuff in, in uh, Rubbermaid containers sealed up because of the issues with mice and, the and, you know, the, the owner of the property was just not not doing anything to take care and. And I just think like when you have to go through that process every day of, of un- opening your, you know, Rubbermaid container of your food items and things like that, um, just to keep the mice out. Yes, you might get used to it, but it also has to do something to your to your spirit. And what we end up seeing is that that becomes generational. Yeah, sure. So we start to see these cycles that appear where people have uh, poor housing situations and then... Um, you know, that cycles into poor health 
mm-hmm. and maybe also low wages or missed work mm. because of poor health, because of poor housing. And then that cycles into um, just high expenses in general if their housing isn't affordable and then they have high medical bills and then there's a very small margin of error left for things like food and utilities, cell phone, things like that. Um, and then that just sort of perpetuates, yeah. right? So then we don't have enough money to afford good housing. And so then we have poor housing and then we have more poor health and then we have more low wages and we have more lost work and we have more high expenses. Mm. Another thing that's true that's sort of wrapped up in it is the fact that we have an affordability crisis in the United States right now. For most Americans, mm. wages have remained steady and stagnant, mm-hmm. um, unless you're like at the top five or 10% of income earners, which most of us aren't. Right. Um, but the cost of childcare, education, housing, it's all going up and it's going up fast and people can't, people's wages can't keep up with that. And so we see people being really pushed out of housing markets, Mm -hmm. but where the housing is being built and what kind of housing is being built is the housing in the more affluent suburbs, Mm. Um, more affluent housing markets are being built faster. And so there are people who are being left behind Mm. and then it becomes a generational leaving behind. Right. And it's really hard to, it's really hard to catch up. Um, And upward mobility is really difficult in the U S as well. Yeah. And so all that really gets wrapped up. Um, you know, there has to be a motivation for landlords, like you said, mm-hmm. to improve the quality of their housing. And there are some great initiatives, um, which, you know, we can talk about a little bit later, but there are some initiatives at the local level um, in different areas, you know, including Waterloo, yeah. um, where they're trying to work on some of these things. Um, but we really just see a lot of disparities, mm-hmm. um, a lot of gaps, a lot of disparities, um, a lot of places where there are just people being left behind. Absolutely. One, you don't think about the domino effect uh, of how, well, this leads to this, this leads to this, leads, this leads to this. You know, why is this person not coming into work all the time? Why is this kid missing school all the time? Mm-hmm. You don't think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing that I really want to talk about, though, uh, and you started to touch on it, you have neighborhoods that are being built or new homes are being built in more affluent housing or more affluent areas. Uh, how does your location play into this? Maybe to speak a little bit more on that. Okay. So geography is a huge predictor of health. That, and that, that was one of the things that that webinar that, or the uh, conference that I had gone to, that probably was one of the things that stood out to me the most. So I'm very interested mm-hmm. in that as well, how geography fits. So it's, it's really interesting, and I use the word interesting sort of like also horrifying. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, mm-hmm. But there are counties in the U.S. that have 30-year differences in life expectancy. Wow. Unbelievable. Zip code wow. is one of the strongest predictors of how long you're going to live uh, in the U.S. And part of that is it's, it's related to what's called the social gradient. Hmm. And the social gradient is the idea um, that your wealth is a predictor of your health. Hmm. Um, the more money you have, the more resources you have, the healthier you will be. Mm. Um, and so zip, zip code does matter because if you think about it, um, place is directly tied to things like resources, right? If I tell you where I live, you can probably have a good sense of how far I have to go to get to the doctor's office mm-hmm. or to my, to a therapist mm-hmm. or a dentist or a healthy grocery store mm. or any grocery store, um, how far it is for me to get to a park or green space, or somewhere to walk, or exercise outdoors. Mm. You could 
you could find out about crime statistics in my neighborhood that might keep me inside Mm. or allow me to feel safe going outside. Right. So all those things about where we are in place, Mm. it does really matter. And so then it becomes this sort of double edged sword that we need the housing quality to be good because Mm -hmm. that impacts people's health. But our neighborhoods impact our health, too. Right. So it's this sort of ripple effect. Um, But yeah, where we live really matters in terms of zip code, in terms of geography. You can look at a map of some cities and there really are sort of highways and train tracks that bisect cities and you can look at well on this side of that highway things look one way and on another side of that highway things look a different way mm-hmm. um and we you know when we see a lot of housing right by highways and we're going back to the air pollution question mm. and you know exposure to pollutants um particulate matter in the air um you know there are places where in downtown areas in the u.s you know it's not it's not recommended that you go outside during the day or that children play outside during the day because of those potential exposures. Wow. So zip code does matter. Geography does really matter. Yeah. Um, and that's everywhere. Yeah. So I remember seeing a map that showed um, the zip codes and it showed it showed exactly what you're representing. And maybe it was even in Minneapolis. But if you literally get off on this exit versus the very next exit, it showed like your life expectancy and it kind of spoke to that thing. And, and, the, and the swing was a 20 year swing between literally this exit off the interstate to the next exit off the interstate. And that just really stood out to me that that that's that's incredible. And we need to do something to help you know, all, all exits off the interstate or all zip codes have the same ability to, to thrive and, and to have good health overall. There are these life expectancy calculators that you can do online Mm. and they ask you questions like, are you a smoker? Mm. How often do you drink? How much do you sleep at night? Um, questions like about your behaviors or your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And what they often don't ask is, well, your zip code, but also, you know, when was your house built? And, you know, is there lead-based paint there? Mm. Um, and questions like that, because we often just don't think about it. But, right. you know, there are, we can all think of neighborhoods, entire neighborhoods, where the houses are more run down. Mm-hmm. And those places, people aren't living as long. Mm-hmm. And it's partly because of housing quality and housing affordability and stability. Um, And it's also a matter of resources Mm -hmm. and attention. And it's entirely unfair and it's entirely avoidable. Mm -hmm. Lisa, something in my head that I really, and it could be too early to even, there may not be research on this, but have you seen in your profession any uh, correlation between what we're dealing with now in COVID and uh, infection rates and mortality rates and again, how their geography or their zip code plays into that. Is there any research or study that's been done on that? I'm not sure specifically about zip code, but what I can tell you is that for sure, COVID is negatively impacting communities that already were being really negatively impacted by a lot of other things, right? Mm. So communities that were already burdened Mm. are more burdened now. So the families that already didn't have a lot of resources or time to spend with their kids on academics or to be hanging out with them at home after school, Um, you know, those kids that have to be home doing online learning, those families are struggling figuring out what to do because they can't miss work. Um, So 
Families that were already burdened by housing quality issues or housing affordability issues are now just having something else added to their plate Mm. um, and additional stress and fear. I mean, a lot of us are walking around with a lot of fear right now because of coronavirus. And so when you're already stressed and you're already walking around carrying those burdens emotionally and mentally and physically Mm -hmm. um, to sort of have this added to it is another stressor. And I think we're going to be seeing lasting impacts of that. And I think that there will be research coming out on that. Um, just sort of the lasting effects of all of this. Absolutely. I can't even imagine because, you know, you think about if the if the home environment is already a challenging place, you know, physically, the physical structure of it all. And now you have to you learn from there and you can't be out of it as much as you normally would have been able to and so on and so forth. I can't imagine how how much um, that would impact a, a student's ability to um, to move forward and progress and right also just adds to the level of stress and mental health uh, concerns probably for the parents as well, just on so many layers. And one thing that um, I think is really interesting is that this isn't just, I mean, studies have been done where they control for other factors, Mm -hmm. right? So they look at housing quality and they look at academic achievement and they find that teenagers who have, who live in poor housing, that's, that's low quality where things are risky and hazardous, those Mm -hmm. teenagers don't do as well in reading and math, Mm -hmm. and they don't do as well in standardized test scores. And that's even when we control for parenting, parental involvement, all other things being equal. Mm -hmm. Housing quality really Mm -hmm. makes a difference. Wow. Wow. You just heard part one of our interview with Dr. Deesa Cornish, Associate Professor in Public Health and Education at the University of Northern Iowa. Join us again right here next time as we dive into part two of our discussion of housing and health.